Hello and welcome to Strangers Shopping Strangers, podcast number 70. A big welcome back to anybody who's returning and thanks for stopping in to anybody who's new this week. Well, as I stated in my last intro a month ago, I have taken these podcasts down from every other week to once a month. And you know, the real reason for that is, is I've been out seeing music and rather than talking about the community, just been a deep dive into the community with the amazing Dead and Company 2018 summer tour. So, so much fun. has definitely taken me a couple steps back from recording, but oh my goodness, so much that I want to share. Just incredible. So this week's episode is what I'm calling the 21st Century Women's Podcast. And I've had a few podcasts with some of the younger generations, and this podcast has Four strong, amazing women who share their stories about how they discover the music and discover the community, their song picks. The first two conversations were recorded back in May. The conversations with both Taylor and with Hannah have been literally in the vault for months. So I'm so excited to be able to finally get them out into the community to hear. They work with cashortrade.org and I had Brando on the podcast in the beginning of the year and oh my god, what an amazing organization. You know, procuring tickets for this past uh, summer I have fallen more and more and more in love with cashwithtrade.org. So anybody who's listening that is looking to grab tickets, exchange tickets, uh, something goes wrong and they need to sell their tickets, please check them out. They are amazing. And then along the journey, I uh, picked up a couple more. We get a chance to talk to Sarah, who is just this bubbly, fabulous young woman that I've met on several social medias and getting a chance to really get to talk to her and know her and hear her story was just so much fun. And then lastly, we get to talk to Lauren and Lauren is the daughter of Joseph Ford, which was a podcast from almost two years ago. And Joseph and I have remained friends and have finally got a chance to meet face to face in Hartford He had his daughter Lauren with him, and it just made perfect sense to get a chance to talk to her about being, you know, a second-generation deadhead in the family. So, so much fun, so inspirational, you know, being out there and, and really getting to spend time with the community. I'm just continuously inspired by this new generation of deadheads that are just feeling the vibes and carrying the torch and uh, dancing into the next future generations. And then lastly, I want to say, you know, I've mentioned this in the earlier intros, for more podcast listening, definitely check out OsirisPod.com. Osiris Podcast is the uh, podcast network that Stranger Stopping Strangers is a part of, and just an amazing family with several different like-minded podcasts of music and culture and just all kinds of really great listening that really brings the communities together. So to hear more about podcasts that are part of the Osiris Podcast Network, please check out osirispod.com. So thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you all enjoy listening to the stories from Hannah Taylor Sarah and Lauren, as much as I enjoyed making them and sharing them, and I will catch you in a few weeks. Thanks. Bye. Well, Taylor and Hannah, welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. Hey, Stacy. Hey. So this is our second go-round. This has been kind of in the ether for a while, and while technology is our friend, it can also seems to work against us, especially when Mercury's in retrograde. 
<laughs> oh yeah. Definitely yeah, I threw us for a loop. I need Mercury to set itself straight real quick. Well, I just like that we are just all so committed to doing this that we have, you know, like this, there's been a lot of correspondence going into this. So I say, you know, like, let the stories be heard. This isn't just an accident. We've worked hard on this, girls. Yeah, we did. And you are my first, what I like to call 21st century deadhead women on the podcast. I've I've talked to some some guys and this podcast is going to be, you know, a handful of different segments. I'm stoked to hear the the young the young women's stories to to kind of flesh out, you know, our community and and who we all are. That's so cool. We're so excited about this. Very cool. So tell me a little bit about you two being friends and, and, and your your origin, and then we're going to go into hearing you know your separate stories and then how they kind of fully connect back. Taylor and I met through Casher Trade. Taylor is one of the newer people brought onto our team, but she has been so influential and so phenomenal. It's been such oh, a pleasure getting to know her and meet her and work with her. Um, we actually just met in person about a week and a half ago, two weeks maybe now. Um, yeah. I came up to Fair. Burlington and visited but yeah, so we both work with one another. We do a lot of back and forth with connecting resources and throwing work back and forth with one another. Hannah is in the marketing department and I do the public relations, but we definitely team up when it comes to working with artists and festivals and we kind of get to tag team each other. And like she said, like last week or two weeks ago, I guess, was the first time we got to meet in person. And so it was really cool work in person and see that our dynamics are pretty similar and, you know, that we got along pretty well, I felt like, so... And we got to see some music. We went out dancing. Yeah, we got and... to see, like, a lot of shows, actually. We got to do – I got to go to Nectar's, like, which is, like, you know, pilgrimage to Mecca, I feel like, for Fish fans. And then we got to go to Higher Ground, which awesome. It's, like, a very Burlington thing to do. So I did all of the Burlington things, I felt like, which was very cool. Yay! Well, it's so cool the way, you know, we all connect and we meet virtually. Not we all, but so often. I mean, you know, within this podcast, I'm going to say – 85% of the people I meet virtually before you meet in person. And then there's always that kind of, you know, you have this conversation or you're, you know, on social media. And then there's like that next level when you meet in person, like what's the actual physical chemistry going to be like, right? Like, am, am I going to like you as much as I do online? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, cause everyone gets a chance to sort of create, you know, in the, in the digital world a little bit about, you know, you put out whatever part of yourself you want to share. And I and I think that's just human. And it's so awesome to to make friends and then to meet in person and to have it all be, you know, full circle, you know, be like, yeah, I dig this person and we do have this in common. And now we have real life experiences to, to go on top of those is, is totally cool. Absolutely. Cool. And the dead, you know, obviously, strangers loving strangers, we're going to hear some of the dead stories. And, you know, that is what what grounds this community altogether. Um, I did mention, I want to tell you girls, I, I mean, so cash or trade, I had Brando on the podcast, and, and we did a little thing with Osiris pod, where if you had mentioned Osiris pod, there was a, a 20% off um, for the gold membership. So, you know, I love cash or trade and, and Brando and working with you guys. And I just want to share, I had a recent story that made me so happy. Buy tickets to go see Dead and Company in Mansfield. So I uh, I'm, I felt like another cash or trade success under the belt when I got some sweet tickets and the guy was so nice. And it turns out he has a vintage clothing store in Warren, Rhode Island. And uh, I'm going to go pop over and check him out. And, and there you right go. Right on. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. 
We love those cash or trade connections. Yeah, it was cool. I mean, like, not only did I get the tickets, but then, you know, I I mentioned the podcast and he was like, oh, sweet, I'll check it out. And then he signed up for the podcast and told me about his store. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'll definitely be by to come check out your store. So there's a yeah, there was a a cool win where, you know, and hopefully we'll hang out at the show. And so tell me, okay, so I want to hear both of your stories. And we have two songs, but we're going to go kind of one at a time because both of your stories are are your own individual stories and then it sort of rolls back up into, you know, the community and, and being friends. So so Hannah, tell us a little bit about how you discovered the dead and started to fall down this rabbit hole. Oh my goodness, I'm so glad I've been falling down this rabbit hole. I had the coolest art teacher in the entire world and he always encouraged us not only be great artists but great people and he um was always just blasting tunes. And my parents were definitely music fans. They're more of Dave Matthews, Chicago, Fleetwood Mac. They just definitely showed me Pink Floyd, Zeppelin. They showed me that music when I was very young and that was always playing. But as far as the dead, that was not my parents' subculture. That was not where they found their love of music. But my mom owned Working Man's Dead. She gave that to me when I was 12. And I was like, okay, cool. But I had been listening to it with my art teacher since I was 12 as well. And he was always like, he was playing shows for us and we would be in the art room and I would skip lunch and I would go eat lunch with him and just paint or work with whatever medium he was encouraging me to pursue at the time. And we would jam to the dead and he got me into fish. He got me into all the music that is so like ingrained in like my soul and who I am as a person now. His name is Jeremy Liebedecker and he actually runs Grateful Legos, um, the little dead Legos and everything. He's a, definitely my like music muse. Like he was always playing the guitar. He and so many kids that uh, we kind of were all the misfits. We didn't really know what we were doing in this small town, and we all found solace like in his room playing the guitar. I have so many friends who their first song they learned on the guitar was "Ripple," and it's because he taught them that in art class and was like, "Oh, you're a little distracted. Let's here bring over a guitar. Like pick it up. We'll make some music and." It really was my segue into this crazy world. I literally can never thank him enough for making me a deadhead. Well, hey now, Jeremy. Yeah, no, Jeremy and I, I I'm connected with him again via social media, but I've, we've never actually spoken. But that, it's such a that's such a fucking awesome story. You know, that's uh, I think that's it's amazing. I mean, it's really it's where it all begins every time. You know, it's yeah, just and like, we all have like our music, our little you know, our guru or whoever brings us into this world. And, you know, and it was five years of taking classes with him to just be like, no, like I'm obsessed. And then it got to the point that I'm showing him shows, you know, and I'm like, hey, have you heard this one? And he's like, yeah, of course I was there, but. (laughs) That's so cool. No, no, let me ask you. So this is art. So did you have a music class as well? Was it like counter, were they teaching you something different in music or was this, he was the art teacher. So how, how did that play in for, for like, just your, exposure for for music for music um he actually was the one who like truly like engulfed me in music too which was crazy because I spent most of my time in the art room our music program was it was very different like my our music teacher he had just a very different style he was very into like prog rock which is like that's his own thing that's to each your own different strokes for different folks but like that was so a lot of the music like the people who made music in our school it was either very classical or it was like this progressive alternative kind of jam you know like he did play some of the Beatles and stuff like that and I did take music classes but that's not where 
I really fell in love with music and I fell in love with like all the people who are like playing their hacky sacks in the back of the art class and two are on a guitar and one's painting, you know, that was like the culture of like this really beautiful music. And, and he played everything. He didn't just play the dead or fish, but that was where you definitely went to jam out to those bands in the school. Oh, that's so cool. Well, no, I have a full visual. And the reason I ask is it's really interesting. So I have a couple of kids and my son is in fifth grade and he just he brought his report card home and, you know, he did pretty solid, you know, in most of his classes, but he's not didn't do so hot in, in music, which is which was was what my, made me want to ask the question. And uh, in in this small New England town, like their music, they have a recorder. Did you guys I mean, I never had a recorder when I was little. Did you guys learn to play the recorder? Yeah, I was definitely given the recorder. That, that thing was so loud. My mom was always like, why do they give them to you kids? <laughs> oh, he hates it, right? I mean, he has oh, the weirdest tone. It's so strange. No, he hates it. And I totally appreciate art and music in schools. And I think it's so important. And I never, ever want to say anything that would be negative against art and music and teaching all of that in schools. Like that's, it's so imperative and important in learning to read music and learning about music. And, and all of that I think is important. But it's the whole once in a while you can show them the light and the strangest of places if you look at it right. Because I love that your story really came more from the art because I my so my son did kind of shitty in his music, right? Like he got like a C or something in it. He got like A's and B's and not so hot in the music. And I said and he was like, Yeah, it's the recorder though, and it's classical music and it's all this, you know, I don't like it. It's all really boring. And and I said, Well, just go tell him you're being homeschooled in music. <laughs> <laughs> I have an A at home in this department. Totally. So. I was like, you know, get your math, get your social science, get you know, get social studies, like do learn everything you need to learn. And if the worst thing is that you're not like, you know, you're not nailing it on the recorder. Then, right. I'm good, you know, and, and, and beyond that, like you're getting so much musical exposure at home that you can just, you know, I was kind of kidding, but not really that you're being homeschooled on music. I mean, if you can tell, you know, you, he knew the story behind one of Gordon Lightfoot's songs and the guy that was like in the ship and this, like, if you can tell me the story behind Gordon Lightfoot's song and if it's a Bob song or a Jerry song, like winning, right? Like, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, there's people who they have the same connection to music as people who play it, but they're moving their bodies to it. Like some people don't dance and they don't feel it, you know, whereas like some people feel music and we all comprehend it and express it in different ways. Absolutely. No, and again, I think it's just beautiful that you learned it in a in an alternate situation at school. And uh, now it's awesome. Well, to, I mean, I don't play music. I can't sing. I mean, I can't I have no musical inclination whatsoever. But I mean, I don't feel like I feel like I appreciate it as much as anybody out there, you know, as a you know, as a as somebody again to dances that feels it that appreciates it, you know, so there's, we're all playing in the heart of gold band, you know. Oh, absolutely whatever we're playing, whether it's we're playing or we're dancing, you know, it's all, it's all in there. Tell us about the song you picked, Hannah. I want to get into some music. So, the okay. Experience. Yeah. So, um, I chose standing on the moon from further and that was, I chose this song particularly. Um, there's so many shows that I adore, but this show particularly, because this was my first ever live experience that I felt like I tapped into something different that I had never experienced live listening to the grateful dead. And it was in Cooperstown, which I had, it's nostalgic for me because we moved to upstate New York when I was young, but um, I've never been into baseball. My brother loves baseball, but that was like someplace that we always went just because it's like, oh, we're in New York, baseball started, whatever, we, this is where we go. 
And I just remember being very young and like always just loving the water and being in Cooperstown. But one day further was playing there and it's like 40 minutes away from where I live. I was at work and I was really frustrated. I was just like, ah, and I just couldn't request it off. I was working six days a week. And then finally my boss came out and he's just like, you know what? It's really slow. If you want to go, he's like, I'll call Sam. You can leave today. And I was like, are you kidding me? And it was like an hour and 10 minutes before the show started. I called my boyfriend and I was like, hey, I'm picking you up. I'm like, literally, please like run to the end of your driveway. I'm picking you up. I'm not stopping the car very much. You're going to hop in and we're going to Cooperstown. We're seeing further. I just bought tickets. And he was like, okay, cool. I'll be ready in 40 minutes. Like, so he, I, California stopped, picked him up and we jotted all the way to Cooperstown and we got there and we're just like sprinting. And then we get to the baseball field. And like, that was just one of these things. I had never seen a show in a baseball field. I had never, I don't know. Usually we were like all ready to party. We were ready to go. We had like a one hitter with a little bit of weed in it. And we were just like there, got there right as the first song started. And everybody was so kind. They let us go like pretty close to the front. I just remember it was sunny when they started, but as the show progressed, it was just incredible. Like just seeing Bobby, I was like 15 feet away from Bobby and I'm just like, him and Phil, and then the moon came out, and it was a perfect, like, crescent moon, and really, really felt like that was the first time that I felt so connected to this music live, which was, like, it shook my soul. Like, my, I still get goosebumps. I have goosebumps now even thinking about this day, because that was something that this music that meant so much to me of, like, me and my friends skipping school and getting high and, like, going hiking and listening to the dead or playing the dead or just being engulfed in it. Like, that was the first time that I was like, this is live. And I felt very close to Jerry, which is so yeah. weird. It was to Jerry during this moment when they played Standing on the Moon. And they're just, and at that time, I wasn't missing anybody. I was missing Jerry during that moment. Like, and I think that that song, like, it can transcend to whoever you're missing. If it's an, an ex or somebody who's passed away or whatever. But in that particular moment of that music, like, hitting me, I was like, I feel that connection to the Grateful Dead live that like I don't think and I still have not felt that moment again like and I, I've been to Bob Weir and Rat Dog and to Further and to, I went to Dead 50 and like I've been chasing that like but that not necessarily that feeling because the dead always makes me feel a certain kind of way that is so special and so sacred but that moment like in this song and they did it was Terrapin into Dark Star or it was Dark Star into Terrapin into this Standing on the Moon and it was just wow. like Boom, like my brain exploded. And I, I felt like that was that first time that I felt this connection to that the, the band live. And I, I don't know if I'll feel that again, you know, or I, I hope so. I hope I can. But like that exact moment. And I remember even watching Bob Weir and TRI Studios when they did, they played He's Gone and they did the uh, Move Me Brightly, like that whole thing that still that moment gave me goosebumps as well. But when you hear these songs that you hear all the time, and then you feel that connection to whatever it is you're missing. And it's whatever you feel, you know. But that was definitely, like, me being pretty much brought to my knees of feeling like I was at the Grateful Dead. And those those lyrics behind it made me, you know, feel whatever they were feeling. And at that time, you know, I don't know, maybe Bobby was missing Jerry, too. And maybe we connected on that. But that was the first time I felt like I really connected to the Grateful Dead live. That's awesome. No, like a kindred emotion, kindred feeling. And and now I get it 100%. And it's funny because I don't necessarily remember those, you know, those benchmark moments from when I 
would saw the Grateful Dead when I was a teenager, but I remember exactly that feeling that you're feeling like that, that I can put myself in that same mindset headset when I saw the Dead and Company for the first time in Worcester in 2015. And it was like this crazy, like coming home sort of situation. And I think the first, they opened with Cassidy, which was always really beautiful. But I think I, I had that, that all in moment with um, Uncle John's band. And, you know, the, the words, you know, are you kind and don't tread on me and, you know, all of these, you know, all of these banners, strong, you know, emotional feelings that just came back from 20 some odd years of living and, and adulting, you know, and listening to it and just like having that, yeah, that like overall, wow, this is just, this is just cutting me to the core and, um, never really was quite the same again, you know, like I, it's, I call it like a born again kind of situation. Oh yeah, no, absolutely. And like, just even like visually for me, the moon was directly above Bobby the whole time, not a cloud in the sky, no really stars even. Cause I mean, you're in the baseball field. So the lights kind of like diminish that, but like this bright moon right behind them. And there were these kids on their porch, like perfectly just sitting there smoking bowls. Like I could not get over how their porch, their back porch was literally above the stage, just perfectly placed for them to listen to this music. And like just looking around and feeling like I was on, you know, I was just like completely euphoric. It was, I was undone. It was like, it wasn't, you know, I wasn't on drugs. I just got right out of work. I was still in my work uniform, you know? Yeah. It's the it was magic. magic. It's the magic, the magic of the music. Well, let's uh, go listen to it. I want to, I want to go in. I want to go, I want to be, transferred back to a double day field with further so i'm gonna i'm gonna go and play it and then then when we come back i want to hear your your deep dive in and uh and play and then play more music <laughs> amazing yeah. amazing let's go in Woo. Whoa, whoa, whoa. 
Well, back from listening to Standing on the Moon, and Taylor, tell us all a little bit about what led you to this day getting on the on the bus. Yeah, so it's so funny that whenever Hannah started to tell her story, I hadn't realized that we had such similar introductions into The Grateful Dead. I actually learned about the dead from a teacher as well, although in a little bit of a roundabout way. I was a sophomore in high school, and I went to this tiny little Catholic school in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, and so definitely not the place you'd probably think to like hear of like heady music. <laughs> um, but I went to the school and I had this teacher and we were learning about like 1960s counterculture and everybody got assigned different projects. And I got assigned like arts and culture during the civil rights movement, the counterculture movement. And I mean, you really can't, you know, type into Google about that topic without the Grateful Dead coming up. So in my research, I ended up stumbling across this band and, you know, the first link on YouTube, I don't even remember what song it was at this point, but really being like, oh, wow, like this is kind of cool. And um, kind of slowly starting to dive into like YouTube videos of them. Then I ended up going to college. I went to the University of Alabama and the group of friends that I fell into there all just really loved you know, the Grateful Dead and Widespread Panic and Fish. And so it was this really cool group of people who loved that kind of music. I mean, we've went and saw saw Dead and Company, I guess. Bonnaroo one year. Um, we spent our Thanksgiving break this last year traveling to Columbus. Um, you know, we've traveled to Atlanta to see them a few times. So it really kind of became a thing that my friend group in college really made something that we would do together. But yeah, so it's kind of how I fell into it, I guess. So that Bonnaroo, that was when, uh, the one that, uh, in 2016, that, that Donna G. That Donna came out at, yeah. Yeah. Surprise for me. Like, I felt like I was literally witnessing a piece of history. And I was. Like, every time I see the dead, I feel like I'm witnessing something new and I'm witnessing something so important. Um, so that was something super special to, like, share with my friends at the time. And I really enjoyed that because I think Donna's like my queen. <laughs> oh, she's so awesome. Well, you know, it's it's so funny. Like, just again, like kind of the full circle of it all. I just posted on every day. I'll do like my little social media post on whatever, you know, whatever that day's inspiration was. And Monday work day, I was feeling deal today. So I YouTube deal. And lately I've been putting like a video on that little Insta story. Mm -hmm. And it's, I always have just been putting the Grateful Dead. And I saw the one from Fenway that Donna was singing too and it was the first Dead and Company one that I've ever put up because again I usually go back to a, a Grateful Dead one I was just talking about that show with a new friend that I met this weekend and about Donna and her being there and how special it was and I remember the Bonnaroo because I was so envious because I went to the uh, North Carolina show and then Donna showed up at Bonnaroo and I was like oh man that'd be fucking awesome I wish I could see Donna you know like there was some rumors that she might be out or might not be out and then yeah. Yeah. Fenway and um, came busting out on Music Never Stops and uh, yeah she's so fun so cool yeah I think that Bonnaroo like while I'd spent like you know kind of high school getting into it and then I definitely really got into it in college I think that seeing you know seeing it live at Bonnaroo and seeing Donna like really is what sold it for me um, and really like hurtled me into this world I guess Oh, that's awesome. No, I love her. I do. I mean, I, and there's so many opinions and everybody's got, you know, one on what's good or what's bad. Or Donna gets a lot of flack, but I mean, she was, you know, like the original like girl. I mean, she was like in the boys club doing her thing and still like doing a great job at it. So I like really respect her for that. And I think she did a great job. 
Oh, I agree. And I feel like the dead, you know, like from 65 to 95, you had so many different incarnations of right. the band, even within the Grateful Dead, let along all the iterations and incarnations afterwards. So to right. me, Donna was such a such a great sound in part of the 70s, you know, so it sort of it, it hones in like those shows with those times and those memories and those you know, the way she went in um, and, and sang her solos with it. And, you know, I don't know, maybe I would feel differently about it if it was a consistent from 65 to 95, you know, like maybe maybe I would feel differently in, in a retrospect. But the fact that it it was just this this part of the piece, it's really mm-hmm. special to me. Does that make sense? No, 100 percent. It makes like hearing her and Keith on the 70s, uh, 77, 78, 79 tracks, especially, I mean, it makes it such a distinct sound, and I think it makes it so special compared to the rest of the eras that the Grateful Dead had. Yeah, and it's the whole idea that there are so many different, you know, flavors on the plate. That's what makes it so good. You know, again, if it was the same flavor the whole time, I don't know how I would feel about it. But like, it just distinguishes that time. And then, you know, then you go in and you hear, you know, Pigpen singing, you know, Love Light in '67, or you hear Brent singing, you know, Blow Away in '89. And I mean, it's all the same, and it's all different all at the same time. And that's what's so special, you know? Yeah, 100 percent. Well, so that is actually a really good segue, there it is, organically, to 1977. So you picked a song, and it was from 1977. So tell everyone a little bit about this selection. Yeah, so I picked the Mississippi Half Step, Uptown, Toodaloo, from the English Town 77 show. When I first started getting pretty deep into the dead, obviously Dick's Picks is kind of where I turned, and I think that this is... Top to bottom, my favorite Dick's Picks, my favorite show. The whole show is just fantastic. And I had actually heard on another podcast from Mike Fenoya um, on his Jamcast podcast, I'd heard that originally when this show was really, like, when the show happened, it was recorded live, and then they cut out the recording before the encore, which was Terrapin And so that was, like, a really rare thing to have. I mean, it's just a monster Terrapin. I love that encore, and I love that show. Mississippi Half Step is definitely my fir- my favorite song. I love that it feels kind of like two different distinct jams throughout. And I think that this having been like my first version that I've heard, it's always really stuck to me. And it's definitely, I think, cons- a top five version of Mississippi Half Step for me. So that's why I wanted to choose it. Well, right on. And, and this is Dick's Pick. So for anybody who is listening For anybody who is listening and wants to get the full breadth of the concert, it's great to have these shows that uh, that you can that you can still get and they cleaned up and released and um, and are available. So everybody go find it. Very, very cool. I had the mark just as plain as day. I freaking love that lyric. That's going to be that's my uh, inspiration for my first tattoo that I want to get this summer. Oh, I love that. Yeah, this whole show. I mean, this whole show is awesome. It's awesome. All right, everybody enjoy, and then we'll be back. Spades behind his ear and him not 
welcome to Stranger Stopping Strangers. Well, thank you, Stacey. I'm happy to be here. I'm honored. Oh, I'm so excited. I mean, we've, we've been friends through a handful of social medias, and uh, it brought this to actually get to, like, talk and really, really, really meet each other. I know. It's been so long. I love tagging you and all those crazy Grateful Dead memes on social media. I think that that's where our budding friendship first took off. Absolutely. Technology, I mean... There's good and bad to everything, but there's just been so much cool shit that's come out of being able to, you know, you and I would have never met had it not been for it. So it's pretty cool. But hopefully we'll meet in person next summer. <laughs> Absolutely. We'll shake our bones. Hopefully Mexico comes to fruition. I would love to see you down a plane in the sand. That would be amazing. Uh, from your lips to the universe's ears, right? Let's do it. I think they're actually uh, apropos timing to bring it up because today is the 17th of July and there is the hot rumors out in the dead community that this is the week that they're going to announce it. I know. And I feel there's something very, very real about what Johnny Mayer said about having post-tour depression. I mean, it is a very real thing. And the only thing that I think could cure it is purchasing tickets to Plane in the Sand that would be absolutely amazing so our lips to uh, the universe of years absolutely oh so i'll put this on the intro like i haven't actually taped a podcast in gosh since like the first week of june it's been like six weeks and i mean the timing it's so incredible because it was the day after the mansfield show and this is like three days after colorado so what a long, strange trip, right? <laughs> oh mama's, mama's ready to get back on the air with some good and juicy conversations with deadheads. I love it. Totally. I, uh, I've, I've been, I've been uh, instead of been talking on the phone, I've been actually getting to shake hands and hug friends. And the, the virtual relationships have been kind of put on a shelf for uh, six weeks. But I'm so stoked to be talking to you and to be, you know, back in the saddle again. So fun. Absolutely. I'm excited. I'm excited for some more shows to come out. That's for sure. Thank you. So you are 32. So you are part of my 21st century deadhead girls podcast. And like I had mentioned to you earlier, the other fabulous women that I've spoken to have been in the archives for way too long. But uh, I want to hear like, you know, 32, like how did you discover the music and, and tell us your story? Oh, the story is so funny. So I had grown up in a household that was very much full of music, but it's more classic rock, Hall and Oates, Led Zeppelin, The Doors, Eagles. Um, but I had been a huge, huge Mayer fan since high school, since so dating myself. But um, early 2000s, super into Mayer, was traveling around when he was playing at Purdue University it was like one of the first concerts I remember seeing John play. I'd been a huge Mayer fan and ironically my mom and I stumbled into a local um, I want to call it like a hippie boutique so it was called Little Jay's Bohemia and unfortunately it's no longer around but we stumbled into Little Jay's Bohemia and my mom said to me you know John Mayer is playing with his bed and for some strange reason I had missed this announcement and I was beside myself. So I came home immediately, pulled up the computer, pulled up their, their tour. So this was summer of 2016. They had just posted their tour date. So I found the Alpine shows were listed and I thought, how bad could it be? I'm not familiar with the Grateful Dead catalog, but I'm a huge Mayor fan. So let's invest the $20, get lawn seats and see what it's all about. 
the rest is kind of history. Well, and I love, like, again, there's social media, like we said a few minutes ago. Like, I mean, let's be real. Like, there's there's great things about it, and then, like, not so right. great things about it. Because, you know, there's so many people who are keyboard warriors, right? Like, you know, it's, like, really uh-huh. easy to yep. say whatever the fuck you're thinking when you're just typing away <laughs> with, like, you know, a fake account, you know? Like, there's just, or, or not even Absolutely. a fake account. There's a lot of not thinking with social media nowadays, but, no, I totally agree. And and so to that point, like, I mean, there's so many people who have kind of hated on John Mayer fans and it's a bunch of bullshit, right? Because I mean, my- I know. And I get really concerned, A, because you cannot deny the fact that he is an undeniably amazing musician. Okay, I'm going to sound like a real fangirl right now, but let's be honest. He is an undeniably amazing guitarist. He is so culturally diverse if you listen to his catalog prior to the dead but the fact that he's now introducing a whole new wave of fans and he's so gracious about being included in the band and that he truly identifies this as one of like the most honored moments of his life is to play with dead how much more real can you get i mean he's so gracious he's an unbelievable guitar player and he's absolutely hysterical i think the hate the hate needs to stop. I'm putting my foot down. Oh, absolutely. No, I mean, ain't no time to hate. Couldn't agree with you more. And and the thing is, is again, whatever, I, I think my biggest thing is like, why should any be questioning what brought somebody into something that you all share? Like, it doesn't really matter right. what the origin is. It's that we're here right. and we should be grateful to have, you know, more people that are listening to the dead and listening to that catalog and subscribing to that way of thinking. Cause so much of it is about, again, like the music and the community and any, you know, it's like welcome to, in my opinion, you know, like the more the merrier. Yes. If everybody could be a deadhead, what a great world we live in, you know? <laughs> it's so true. The community has been so welcoming and getting to those shows has been so unbelievable but I feel like everyone should have that mindset. And let's let's be honest, we're not out here recruiting people to join the Deadhead community, but when you stumble upon it, it's like, yes, you've arrived, welcome, join the fun. We are here to take on anybody who believes in what we believe in. So I couldn't agree with you more. I think that everyone should be a little bit more accepting and, you know, let's stop questioning it. Just enjoy the music, enjoy the fact that there's someone who wants to carry the torch and he's doing a damn good job of it too. So. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Johnny boy. (laughs) I mean, and you know, yeah, I I mean a thousand percent and it's, it's funny, like just coming off of the shows and I met this guy who was kind of a strange dude at the very, 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 I mean, there's a lot of strange dudes out there at the very, very, very end of Colorado. (laughs) And it was his first dead and company show. He was a new Englander. He's from, you know, the Northeast. I, well, I won't, well, he's not listening. And I'm not going to mention his name. I don't even remember his name. But he was a, an older guy. He's from New Hampshire. And he was really, really curmudgeon, you know. And he was talking about right. how he felt it was – he went and he loved it. And it was great. But he just felt like it was cheating on Jerry. That he can't believe John Mayer's I'm, his new Jerry, right? And I'm like, John Mayer's right. not your, your new Jerry. Like, John Mayer's oh. part of this band that we're all enjoying, you know. Like, it's not – it's not that. And I had written a message kind of, you know, on social media to this this woman. I'll do a call out. I don't know her name, but her Instagram handle is ECMCK underscore. So I hope I'm not too revealing with that. 
But uh, her and I are friends and, you know, we message each other and stuff. And I'm going to just read what I put because I, I don't know, I was kind of baked when I wrote it. But, you know, whatever. I felt like it was really poignant. And it, and it was. Like, sometimes you think something's poignant and you realize later it wasn't. And, uh, and I feel like it was. So I read this to this, like, old curmudgeon guy, like my feeling on the cherry. And I, and I want to share this because it just feels in the spirit of what we're talking about. I said, I love that the vibes in the tribe continue after a family family member, or even the father in Jerry's case passes on because that's the way life goes and life is for the living and we need to find as much happiness as we can, the living, especially because there's so much pain. And for that, I am loving going to shows, meeting friends, new sisters, et cetera. You know? That's it. That's what it's all about. And he's not there to replace anyone. And I think he's said that a million times over. He's there to carry the music, carry the torch keep the love alive, keep the music alive. I think that's what it's about. Oh, so much. I mean, it was, so, it was so interesting on the flight back and forth. I watched a long strange trip for the second time and oh my God, like best documentary the, ever. So <laughs> good. Right. And it came out last year and I watched it last year and it was so poignant to like watch it at the end of tour, you know, and like their beginnings oh, and, yeah. and about Jerry and what he had to say. And you are so on the money. I mean, that was it. It wasn't about him. It was about, the wholeness of, you know, the community and the band and everyone's playing in the heart of Gold Band and that he was a conduit to that, but he never wanted it to be about him. And that's the part that trips me out is when people are think it was when I know he never I wanted know. it to be, you know, it was always about the community. I couldn't agree with you more. He's been so gracious and he just, he's welcomed the whole community with open arms and he's really, really bought in. And you can feel it in the music. I mean, if you've been to the shows, you can feel it in the music. And I love the recent video he put out about registering your shirt by going to a show. That cracked me up. I don't know that. No truer words. Video. And it was like a spoof, but it basically was about, you know, the new rock trend. You're rocking your your Grateful Dead t-shirt, but you should register it by actually going to a show and seeing Dead and Company. So I love it. I love that he said it. It's so true. Grateful Dead t-shirts, amazing. And I love it. But go to a show, see them, check it out. That's yeah. what the fun is all about, right? Oh, absolutely. Again, I, I'm, I'm like, as, as you know, like, like locked and loaded and sinker, you know? I mean, it's, it's just, it's addicting, you know? It's just, you just want to, do more and more and more and it's just because it's the only place and again this kind of from the video when I was watching it on the flight home talking about the deadheads and why we are and it's the last real American adventure you know it's this like crazy travel American adventure that you can get on and get out there that oh, Kerouac yeah. spirit of you know just getting on the road and going places and you go to these shows and you meet these people who are just you know, road, this woman, Sherry. Hey, the Sherry. People. Yeah, I got to give a shout out to my <laughs> girlfriend, Sherry. Like, Sherry, I met her in Atlanta, again, knew her virtually. And then we hung out in Atlanta, North Carolina, stayed with me in Hartford and, you know, was amazing in Colorado. And uh, this woman was on tour by herself, right? Like, oh my she gosh, went to most of the shows. Right. Like she we went to she went to most of the shows. I don't know what her total count was, but a majority of them, you know, like like crazy, like from Colorado, you know, up through around Midwest, California, back through. And my God, I mean, right. She wasn't tied down to anybody. Right. No, she was she was just out having the adventure and she 
such a beautiful person. I'm like, so such a better person for knowing her, but I'm sure there's probably hundreds of people who feel that way about Sherry. Then there's probably hundreds of Sherry's and then there's probably thousands of people who've been touched by those hundreds of people and on and on and on. It's just incredible. Oh, absolutely. And the people are just unbelievable. I remember this last go around, we were at Alpine and after night one, the car didn't start after the first show when we got back to it after the show. And of course I am said to be tired because we have tickets for the second show. And I'm thinking worst case scenario, we're stranded here. I'm going in the same clothes on Saturday. I do not give a shit. I'm going. And we were just surrounded by deadheads coming up saying, are you okay? What's wrong with the car? We'll stay with you until it gets started. I mean, obviously we didn't pull the fuse because we had the hatch open the whole time, but it just goes to show you that the community rallied around. That would have never happened in downtown Chicago, let me just tell you. Yeah. No, no, in any other community. No, it's really special. Nope. And people think we're crazy, which we are, but crazy in the best kind of a way, you know? Like Absolutely. I, we are waving our flags and waving them high, you know? And uh, and it's just such a rich history. Again, just watching that again and seeing that, you know, our flags have been waving for 50-plus years. Like, it's just insanity. I mean, it's unbelievable, like watching it and being like coming out and being like, oh, my God, that's just what we just did. You know, like it's it's insane, you know, the the hell's eight. I mean, even there's like the kind of crazy people like they're like it was always the light, but it was the yin and the yang and the kind of freaky people. And that it has like the the vibe of like almost like a going into like a. There's like a shaman, you know, taking, you know, when you first go to a show, like taking a a child out and putting them through that and what they see. And then they come back and uh, so cool. They got such a bad rap. And, you know, it's funny because being 32, my parents are still around and I was able to introduce them to the music. They had not been really into the dead, but um, loved music. So bringing them to shows how cool coming full circle that I could take them and expose them. They were into mayor, but exposing them to the Grateful Dead catalog and the shows and just how they've gotten on the bus now. I mean, just an unbelievable experience to watch them say, yeah, you know, they really had a bad rap back in the eighties and nineties, but like these shows are amazing. The people are amazing. It's great to kind of see that aha moment happen. Oh, yeah. And honestly, I feel like, again, it is a bit like ritualistic or it is a bit like come back and come through. Like you have to really come through with an open heart or else nobody, you know, that that's part of it. It has to be authentic, you know, and them coming right. and experiencing it. Then then there you go. Then it's an immediate like, OK, neat. No goals in the name and that, you know, there's yeah. a lot of things the that puts people help. off, you know. Right. This goal didn't help. But now it's like, I proudly wear my steelies everywhere. I've got them in my office. I, I wear them all the time. If people don't know, they should ask, right? Absolutely. Well, so now I had asked you to pick a song, and in classic Deadhead form, you picked two. But <laughs> I'm making you pair it to one, cause, uh, and you said if you have to pick one, do that. Because it's a long one, right? I looked at the song oh, you picked, it, it and is. it was 18 minutes. <laughs> it is. I'll, I'll name drop the second song. We won't play it, but I'll name drop the second song. If if anyone hasn't heard Watchtower from Columbus on November 25th of 2017, it melted my face. It honestly did. That was going to be my, my second song. But my my first pick is Bird Song from Alpine, June 23rd of this past summer tour. So was that the first night or the second night? 
Uh, that was the second night. The second night was a heater. I just remember Mayer taking the guitar up to his face. I think he had that silver bitch on the, the PSR, and he just pulled it up to his face, and he blew on it because it was such a heater. I mean, Saturday night was heads and tails above Friday. They were both amazing, but Saturday Saturday killed it. And and how did you feel when they broke out with Birdsong? Were they like, oh, did you just Birdsong. like explode in song? I did. I exploded. I remember putting my my hands over my heart like such a nerd, and my buddy that was sitting next to me just like rubbed my back ever so gently because he knew you knew how excited. I'm obsessed with the song, and of course, it's a great tribute to Janis Joplin. But I think Mir just killed it. I mean, Bobby too. They all do, but it just he crushes that song. And if you listen to it, your face will melt too. I hope we can enjoy some bird song. Oh, we will. Well, everybody get prepared to have their face melted. And um, thank you so much. Like this has been, you know, as usual, we do a pre-chat. Well, not usual, but usually we'll talk before. So anyone who's listening that, you know, we have our, our 15, 20 minute segment here, but not to be concerned because Sarah and I shot the shit for a good hour before. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. In so, true fashion. In true fashion, it's more than these uh, more than these 18 minutes that you all get to hear. So thank you for, you know, for, you know, for finding each other, you know, online. And now we have each other's numbers and we'll meet in person. And it's just it's just awesome. And thanks for inviting me, Stacey. It's been great. Uh, my pleasure. Well, everybody enjoyed Birdsong and uh, and we'll catch you later. Bye.
Welcome to Strangers Stopping Strangers. Hi. Thanks, Stacey. Thanks for having me on. Oh, I'm so excited that this worked out. This is so cool. Yes, it is. It was amazing to uh, to meet you, and it's exciting to be on the show now. Oh, absolutely. And I'll give um, the listeners the backstory. You are the daughter of Joseph Ford, which was an early days podcast. I should actually look up and find out which number it was, but it was September of 2016. And what a fucking cool full circle situation. It really is. It's definitely a, a mind blowing small world happening. Oh, absolutely. Kind of situation. Oh, absolutely. And so your dad and I, I mean, we met through, you know, the, the Twitter, a good old fashioned place to meet. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he said, uh, I have some cool stories to share. And we met and did the podcast and then we stayed friends and like stayed in touch and which happens a lot and is just such a complete cool blessing with this podcast. And we had never met in person. So then we got to finally meet in Hartford and he was with you. So here we are. Yes. Yes. Got to so, be there for the amazing first meet moment and so got fun. To meet you and you got to uh eat an edible uh granola piece that I dug out of my purse with uh yes. Lord knows what purse schmutz was on it. <laughs> yes. Yes, the uh the dirty hippie shit. Uh, the dirtiest, we called it. The dirtiest hippie shit possible. Hold on, I'm happy to share. I don't know what's stuck to the side of it, but you can just it's just good for your immunity, whatever it is. It won't hurt you. Yes. Exactly. You have to build up your immune system somehow. So So funny. Well, I'm convinced I caught the Wook flu midway through. Um Oh, no. <laughs> I did. No, it was right before the Hartford show because we went. I went down to Atlanta and to North Carolina, and then I got sick as fuck that Monday before Hartford. I came home and I had like a hundred and two fever. I was out like a light. Oh my god! I was so sick that Monday into Tuesday, and I was like, oh my goodness, I've got Hartford in New York coming up. I cannot be sick. I cannot be sick. I cannot be sick, and. I think it was all the weird purse schmutz and stuff that I had picked up oh, from, God, yeah. <laughs> from the two days, three days of traveling before and the airplane and everything. And uh, so when you saw me, I was miraculously recovered from death's door two days earlier. Yeah, you looked you looked fantastic. You didn't look like you were anywhere near death's door. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. My family, I think, thinks, well, I know they think I'm completely fucking crazy, but the look on my son's face when I said I was packing to leave on Wednesday was, like, priceless. Like, I thought oh. you were sick. <laughs> you know, like, how come you couldn't get oh. out of bed for 24 hours, you know? <laughs> like, the yeah. show must go on, buddy. I'll see you on Sunday. Yeah. Oh my goodness, what a garbage person. But at least we all get it who's no. listening to this podcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, they know the lifestyle. 
Absolutely. You know, when the sh- when the band's in town, you just got to power on through and make 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 the magic happen when it's happening. Oh yeah, definitely, for sure. So tell so I kind of know a little bit, I can assume a little bit about how you got into the music based on meeting you with your dad, but I want you to tell the stories for everybody here like, you know, just first listening and shows and share how you fell down this rabbit hole with everyone. Uh yeah, so um I think I could say the first time I probably ever heard of the Grateful Dead, I was actually just a kid, uh, a really good friend of mine. Her family was really into them, and I used to spend a lot of time at her house. And I remember just seeing one of like the vinyl album covers, and it was the Grateful Dead. Uh, and it was just a, that classic signature rose, and to this day, like just holding it in my hand kind of just still stands out to me. So that was my first kind of interaction. Then years later, my dad introduced us, by us, I mean my family, uh, to the Grateful Dead. So I started listening to them with him in the car, just driving, driving around town, driving to, you know, anywhere. That's all he listens to is that station on Sirius uh, XM. Soundtrack of your childhood. Yeah, kind of, yeah. So uh, last year in 2017, I have to make sure I get this right. I always mess it up. He took uh, all of us, our family, to go see them up at SPAC for the first time, and it was just absolutely mind-blowing and amazing so awesome and I was there and was hoping to meet you guys then that was the first yes. like we were going to try and meet up and then it was just a uh, classic dead show too much going on like too much too fast and I think we messaged each other and then it just it just it, it, it never went down yeah yeah classic classic dead show which that was a crazy show. I remember my husband was with Mithy at that one. And there was a, it was a great show, but there was a lot going on that night. That was the rainbow night when they had the rain yes. and all of that. Yes, yes. Yes, it was a crazy night. So you went and um, it was just like, felt like you were home? Oh, my gosh. Nothing, I, I, nothing compares to like the experience of going to a dead show. Um, I can truly say that now. Especially because... My dad always says he's an old man. He likes to have a seat to sit in when a nice lower song comes on. So just being up in the crowd and in the atmosphere like that is enough. It just doesn't compare to anything else. Oh, absolutely. It's like a, it's almost like a religious experience, you know? Oh, absolutely. I do know. <laughs> Ch- chasing, chasing the experience all over the, all over the chasing. country. Yes, I do. Yes. Chasing the experience. So I went to my first show at SPAC last year. Um, and then a couple weeks later, they were playing. Maybe it was literally like a week or two later. Uh, they were playing at the uh, Blossom Center in Ohio. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go and bought a ticket for a lawn seat and packed my bags. And a friend of mine came and we went and camped out for three days and we went to the show. and just said okay let's do this that's so fun and it was it was it was such an experience it was so fun we got to walk around shakedown street you know whole thing so then after blossom you and your dad checked out the fault tour so you got to make it to the the kickoff to 2017 fall tour uh yes we did we made it up to madison square garden got to see them in november that was another awesome show it was a very uh felt like it was a very like mellow 
show compared to everything we had seen in the summer. Um, but it was a nice way to kind of kick off the tour and, and you know, get the, the fall mood going. Oh, absolutely. No, I think I, I didn't make it to New York, but I caught uh, Boston and Hartford. So that was fun. Oh, awesome. Every tour just feels like an extra little gift, you know, like every time they announce that there's going to be options, it just gets you that like, and then all the couch touring too. I mean, have you been, did you listen to them like on the, when they do like the night, the nights that you're not out shows? Um, I have listened to a couple of them. Unfortunately, my work schedule just kind of deems me to be somewhere else and not my couch when they happen to be on, but I was able to catch a couple of them last summer, actually. Sure blossom but i have a bunch of friends that do the couch tour so that's so know fun all about it yeah no, it i mean really i don't is. get to all of them i mean especially being on the east coast and being kind of an early to bed kind of a gal but on the east coast i've managed to catch them and as soon as they cross over to pacific standard time um I'm kind of cashed out, right? Like it's like 10 30, 11 yeah. o'clock before it even starts. I feel like one night I stayed up until, I don't know, like two in the morning this past summer and was fucking yeah. hurting the next day. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it's no, fun. if I can be in bed by 10 o'clock, it's like, it's an amazing night. So. No, absolutely. It's kind of one of those, like, let me just listen to the first song. And then sometimes I've uh, got caught up into it and been like, holy shit, tomorrow's going to suck. I got to, I got to, got to be done with this. Like this cannot continue. Yeah. But so, but just knowing that they're out and it's playing and it's going on. I mean, it's, uh, it's so cool. Yeah, it is. And it's just, I think it's absolutely amazing to see, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, especially like Bobby just keep going after all these years. He's still just he's still doing it and it's it's amazing to see it is and I think it's just it's it's no place you'd rather be you know I mean I think it's uh exactly it's it's, it's such a victory lap and victory lap and victory lap and victory lap like it just keeps like going around and around and uh yeah no it's and and just the idea that you and I are talking and that these other generations are, are coming on and expanding and and we don't know where the future is gonna bring us you know and it's so cool yeah, I'm very excited for just to see what the, like you said, like what the future brings with a lot of the fans. I know the last time this year met a lot of younger people closer to my age. So it's interesting to kind of see how the crowd is evolving and the people who are coming out is changing and how the sound might end up changing over the next couple of years, maybe, but we'll see. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's really beautiful, and I think it's like there's just this core of when people it's just this thing that sort of resonates with some people, and to have it be available for it to to resonate, I think is what's so amazing, you know. And I don't think it's yes. um, I don't think it matters, you know, who you are, what age you are, where you come from. And I mean, that was really the impetus of starting this podcast was just being able to meet people from all over and all ages and all places. And um, it's it's just, in, yeah, getting to talk to you and, you know, these young people and people that are older than me and people from, you know, different countries. I mean, it's uh, but we all speak the same language. It's this just such an amazing thing. Yeah, it is. It's absolutely it's absolutely beautiful and that's that's the thing that's beautiful about it is that everyone it's just one thing that, you know, despite everyone's different backgrounds and walks of life, we can all come and connect and be together and be united as one still. 
Absolutely. You picked a song that is one of my absolute favorites in my playlist. So tell everybody a little bit about the song you picked and, uh, and, and why it is special to you. So the song that I picked is Althea. I can't even tell you what it is, but it's from the moment, the first time I heard the song, it was just like those first three notes. It's just something, something in it that just opens up your heart. I don't, it does. It opens up my heart and I can just like, I can feel the music and I want to dance. And then even just like the words and the message to the song is it can just, there's so many different parts of it that you can connect to and relate to. The message that it carries is just like one, it just transcends time really, you know? Absolutely. I love Althea. I think, I, I, I don't know. I don't trust anyone who doesn't love Althea. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like something's wrong with you. If I hear that you don't like it, it's like, oh, yeah, I don't know if I, I, know if I like you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. No, I was, I was so um, blessed to be at the Colorado closing. And I mean, that... That show, that set list played out, I've been saying, like a song oh. list. You know, like if I put together yeah. my own little personal Spotify song list, and, and again, the, the, the version of Althea you picked is is the one on my little Spotify mm-hmm. song list. And they did play Althea, and they played uh, China Rider, Shakedown, Brown-Eyed Women, oh, Althea. Yeah. Like it was one, two, three, four, and I'll, I think Althea yeah. was the fifth song. And, and I was so ecstatic from China Cat Rider, Shakedown, brown-eyed women and then Althea came in next and I'm like and it just keeps coming you know like oh, oh my god, my god yeah all the best songs like they're you oh, know, know everyone's favorites you know so it is a fame I would have been losing my mind I'm sure you were I was it really it really played out I have to say like Colorado was a fantastic weekend but it was kind of a shit show energy wise like not in a bad way but like it was really Mm -hmm. hot and I think the altitude kicked my ass and kicked a lot of asses and that Friday night people were passing out and I mean it was I was really happy to be there but there was there's a lot of just crazy shit Friday the 13th I don't know there was just a lot of crazy shit either and uh, but by but when the Saturday night show was playing and again what they played and how they played it was like any other you know anything that was like you know had any anxiety or craziness or whatever it all just mm-hmm. washed away you know as soon as they hit these uh, these songs and it was like okay yeah that's it and it's amazing it's amazing how that's it, that's what does it for you too it does like, yeah because you're like it's how just am the I... music just gets rid of every every care, every, every concern. Absolutely. And you're like, okay, this is it. This is why I'm here. This is why I spent a thousand dollars, ditched my family, had heat stroke yeah. for this moment, you know? <laughs> yes. It all came to this and it was worth every, every terrifying and Exactly. Every, every, every fucked up priority decision I made, every, every ounce of guilt, every ounce of like, what am I doing here? And then they play Althea and you just melt, you know, and you're like, okay. Oh man. That's it. Oh, I know. Um, City Field, Friday night in City Field was the first time that I had heard it when they played it. And uh, it was, it was hysterical because, you know, my dad got up ran to the bathroom and I heard those first three notes and I stood up out of my seat so quick and the people around me were probably terrified because I was so calm and mellow just sitting there and I just heard those first three notes and I like shot up in an instant and it was everything I hoped it would have been. I was crying. He came, my dad came running back from his 
from the bathroom and he was like, oh my God, he didn't think I would actually be crying. I was like hysterical. Oh, it's so um, awesome. But it was, but it was the most beautiful, it was dark and like the planes were taking off from the airport at Newark. And so like the lights were looking over and it looked like shooting stars. And it was the most like beautiful, absolutely amazing moment of my life. <laughs> Oh, I love it. It was like I everything love, was so love, perfectly love timed. Oh, I love it. Well, let's go hear it. I'm uh, I'm all pumped up for the Althea and like going in and and this one has a really nice dose of Brent in it too. So I mean, oh this, my this... yes, it really does. That's what I love about it so much. Um, so good. Let's go dig some Althea and thank you so much for coming on my 21st century deadhead women edition. I, I just couldn't be more stoked to have uh, this complete full circle. It's amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks. Okay. Bye. Bye.
Everybody's playing 
podcast is in the loop, the Legion of Osiris podcasts. What does that mean? Osiris is a community of great music and culture podcasts. If you like this one, go check out others at osirispod.com and get in the loop. Osiris is partnered with Relics Magazine at relics.com. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Season 1 of Dope History is now available at DopeHistory.com. Dope History weaves you through the lives of those who have been touched by cannabis or have had an influence on the events that shaped our laws or relationships with this plant. You'll hear tales from Frenchie Cannoli, Keith Strop, Eddie Lepp, Tom Alexander, Ed Rosenthal, Wolf Seagull, Jorge Cervantes, and Tommy Chong. Available now at DopeHistory.com.